Welcome to Passion Life Church. We are continuing a series that we've been calling the power of priority. It's kind of funny because sometimes I'll, I'll just be praying and this word, these words will come up to me. But with this series, it was funny because the Lord was speaking to me about this. But in a lot of the conversations that I had with people, that word, it's just not the priority. Or, you know what, uh, this is what's going on. And then they would say, you know what, I think I need to shift my priorities. And as we're heading into this new year, it's a great opportunity now for us to reevaluate our priorities. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Because really when we talk about priorities, we're talking about putting first things first in our lives. Listen, not doing second things first, but doing first things first. And I think sometimes because we don't realize the power of priorities, that's what happens is we start doing second things first. I love what Stephen Covey said. He wrote uh, the book, I think it was uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. He said this, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Let me say that again. The key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. And we've been looking at this story in Luke chapter 10, and it's a great example, I think, of what happens when you don't have the correct priorities and when you do have the correct priorities. Let's pray real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Father, reset our hearts this morning. There's a lot going on in people's lives. And, but Lord, we have put this time to sit at your feet, to hear from you. I thank you that your people today are good ground. We have ears to hear. And Lord, today speak to us, not only by your word, but by your spirit, the spirit that inspired this word. Every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, today, so as we read, Lord, inspire us. Bring in us the word that you have for us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, come on, that's not everybody. Come on. And even the Charger fan said, amen. amen. We're praying for you. And uh, I know last week was hug a Charger fan, but we're going to do it again this week because some of you are still, some people are pouting, didn't come to church. And God's like, well, if you're not going to come to church when you lose, then uh, maybe you made an idol out of football. But I'm so thankful that even with the, uh, the playoffs on today, you love God more than you love a pigskin. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? But if you are a Charger fan, just stand in the lobby after church and we will hug you. And uh, I'm going to have my son hug you because he's got like these healing hugs and, uh, and we'll continue to, to pray for you. But Luke chapter 10, verse 38, now it happened as they, who's they, the disciples, went and he entered, who's he, Jesus, a certain village and a certain woman named Martha. Everybody say Martha. And she welcomed him into her house. How many of you think if Jesus is coming to your house, it's good that you welcome him in. She did that good. I like that. Verse 39, and she had a sister named Mary. Everybody say Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I, I think this is so interesting, Martha's perspective, because she feels like she's serving alone. She feels like she's alone, but she's actually in the presence of God. There's people all around her. But this is what happens when you get distracted. Therefore, tell her to help me, I need some help over here. Verse 41, and Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing, everybody say one thing. 
but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm not going to take this away from her because it's actually the, should be the priority of our lives. I've entitled today's message, God's Gift of Rest. I want to encourage you in 2023 when you come to church to bring a notebook if some of you use your phone, you, you write in your notes, that's great. I think that's amazing. I do that because I can email it to myself. But I just want to encourage you when you come to church to take notes because you may never know when you may need this message again. You know, one of the things I found when I take notes at church, sometimes I'm talking to somebody on the phone and we start to talk about a subject that the pastor talks about. And I just go on my phone and I have all the scriptures, I have all the points, and it actually helps other people. And so I just want to encourage you. And they say that when you take notes, you actually learn more because you're engaged. Everybody say engaged. I talk today about, I want to talk today about God's gift of rest. I Maybe as you look at this story, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to realize that Martha's stressed out and she's not accomplishing what she thinks she should be accomplishing. She's got these expectations. She wants the house clean. She wants all of her guests fed. And because it's not happening how she wants it to happen, when she wants it to happen, she's got these expectations and she's very, um, very frustrated. And as a result, we look at the frustration. She's frustrated. She's grumpy. Come on, somebody. She's complaining. She's blaming herself sister and even blaming Jesus saying, Hey, are you going to talk to this woman? He's praying. She's praying, God, please change my sister. And Jesus is like, Martha, I don't need to change Mary. I need to change you. Isn't that funny how we're like, we can do this sometimes. I see myself a lot in Martha. I like Martha a lot because she's a type a, she wants to get tasks done. I, man, that's my kind of people she's serving. So she is a leader, but she's not having the right priorities. And today I want to talk about how God can give us some rest for our stress. Come on, somebody, rest for our stress. You know, I was thinking about this question, what is stress? You know, sometimes what may stress you out may not stress me out, right? But stress, I think this is a great definition because I think stress often happens when a person perceives that the demands exceed their personal or social resources that the individual or me am able to mobilize. Let me say that again. I think stress can happen when we're overwhelmed and we have like these demands on our life, but they exceed our personal or social uh, resources that I might be able to put together. So I'm overwhelmed. I feel like, man, there's such a demand and I can't meet those demand. And we, we think about as we live in America, we're so blessed. I mean, we have so much, right? We have so much opportunity. We have so much information. We have so much resources. Yet, we are probably one of the most stressed out, addicted, medicated cultures in the world. And we have so much. And let me just tell you, this is my own personal opinion. I think now busyness, it, honestly, busyness has become more than a habit. It's become an addiction with some people. Because just like Martha, she's doing all these things, but she's not dealing with the real issues that are going on in her heart. And so what happens is I think sometimes we're addicted to the idea that being busy can fulfill us. That, you know what, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to do that. And man, we can really get in trouble, burnt out, tired. I don't know about you, but how many times, let me ask you this question. When you ask somebody how they're doing, what do you think their response is? Oh, well, you have a lot more faith than the people I talk to. Because the people I talk to, when I said, how are you doing? I'm tired. 
I'm tired, Pastor Phil. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I'm I'm just tired. I'm tired, right? Very, very rarely for me, maybe they just tell me that because I'm a pastor and then I can help them, right? But very rarely do I say, hey, how you doing? Oh my goodness, today is so good. I'm so happy to be alive. Got up at 5.30. Oh man, I feel great. How often do you hear people say that? Most of the time it's, you know what? I'm tired, right? And according to one expert on when they discovered and they they, um, studied stress, what they found on balancing work and life, they said Stress is a factor in five out of six of the leading causes of death. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, low respiratory disease, and accidents. What is the cause from five out of six? It's stress. Stress. When they studied stress, they said that there was an estimated 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are for a stress-related issue. In fact, in 2019, there was a survey that revealed that nearly half, listen to this, my church family and my friends, 48% of Americans actually considered themselves workaholics. One out of every person in this room, you consider yourself a workaholic. So some people, listen, it's not the drinking, it's not other things, it's not that, it's they are addicted to their work. Now, I happen to think work is great. I, I think that in its proper perspective, I think it's, it's amazing. But what's happening is our busyness is causing stress in our life that's really hurting our physical body. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm 100% believe the Bible. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Your spirit is powerful. Man, it's alive unto God. But how many of you know we're not just spirits floating around, right, in the clouds. You live in a physical body. And Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, would get away from the crowd and he would go up and pray. Why? Because he wasn't just a spirit floating around. He understood that in his physical body, he needed rest. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I think what happens is that we're so busy making a living, we have no time to ponder the meaning of living. I'm going to say it again. I say it a lot here. Life is more than just paying your bills. It's more than that. It's more than that God wanted. They did some studies around stress and mental health. And what they did is they listed kind of the, the possible warning signs of burnout and emotional exhaustion. And here's what they said. These are the signs of burnout and emotional exhaustion. A sense of failure, self-doubt, feeling helpless, trapped, defeated, detachment, feeling alone in the world, a loss of motivation, increasingly, listen to this one, increasingly cynical, negative, a negative outlook. Watch, decreased satisfaction and a decreased sense of accomplishment. My church family, this is everything that Martha is going through. These are all of the same warning signs that we see in her life. And let me just tell you, Martha has a good intent. She wants to work. She wants to feed the people that are there. She wants to serve the people that are there. But here's the reality. Jesus is going to compliment Mary because Mary is 
instead of working first, working's great. We all need to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But the Bible is saying, and Jesus is affirming what Mary's doing. What is Mary doing? The first thing she does is she sits down and she worships Jesus. And so Jesus is about to say what she chose is the good thing. The one thing, the one thing in the Greek language and the original means the primary thing, which means the priority is this. You don't work and then just worship. You allow your worship to fuel your work. It's a totally different thing because if you don't, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause for that because the truth is if you don't, you end up like Martha and I've been there. I'm not trying to put down Martha. I'm not, I've been there. I understand. So this message comes to me from a place where I, I didn't like being here. I didn't like that because then we look at God and we say, God, what are you doing? And he's like, what are you doing? You're focused on, on the doing instead of the being. Come on. We are not human doings. We are human beings. And God is more important with your being than he is your doing. Why? Because everything you do flows out of who you are. So that's why in the new year, we can try to change everything in the external world. But yet in the reality is everything in the external world, we are going to respond to the external from our internal. And this is what Mary's doing. Drama is going around her. Her sister's calling her out and she's just worshiping at Jesus's feet. And what's amazing is that she doesn't even respond. Jesus responds and says, Martha, listen, your whole house can be cleaned. You could feed all these people. But this isn't about what's going on in your household. It's about what's going on in your heart. And you don't have rest on the inside. My church family, rest is such a gift from God that when you have it internally, it does not matter what's going on externally. I'm telling you. That's why Jesus can be in a storm and be asleep because he is the prince of peace and Peter is freaking out. Why is Peter freaking out? And he has no peace because he's looking at everything that's going on around him. And you can have a storm going on around you but still have peace within you. And that's how you overcome the storm because you can't stop the storms from coming. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Pastor Phil, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't understand that. Why? I know, and I don't understand why good things happen to bad people either, but they do. But the Bible says we live in a fallen world and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The difference is how are you gonna build your your house, are you going to stand in peace or are you going to stand in fear? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're acting. So Mary sat and she put her worship before her work. I want to dive a little bit deeper. That was a little bit of a review today, but I started looking at this and there's nothing insignificant in the Bible. Do you know that there's a significance about sitting in the Bible? Sitting is really a posture of rest in the Bible. Jesus and the disciples were looking out. There was about 5,000 people. That's what they counted head of households. But when you count probably women and children, there's probably 10 to 15,000 people. And Jesus looks at the disciples and said, you need to feed these, these people. I love how Jesus' leadership style is like, you make it happen. Right. And they're all and Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But they find they, they, they find this little kid and he's got five loaves and two fish. And they say, well, we got this kid. Right. He's got five loaves and two fishes. And they look at it 
And that doesn't even meet the need, right? But Jesus gave thanks, and he gave thanks before the miracle. But before he distributed the miracle, he told everybody, sit down. Sit down. John chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus said, have everybody sit down. Why? Because everybody's busy. Jesus wanted to do a miracle. But you know what? Sitting represents resting. And I want to tell you something about resting. Resting, when you receive, the best position is rest, right? We receive best in a position of rest. So Jesus like, sit everybody down and then watch. I will feed them. I will feed them. They didn't even have to worry. Hey, is that going to run out? Is there going to be enough? No, the Bible says that this is an amazing thing. The Bible says that the, the fish and the loaves kept multiplying. Watch this. Everybody ate till they were satisfied. So it wasn't just a, hey, here's a little bit, a little dabble, do you? They ate till they were satisfied and there was 12 baskets left over. But he had to tell everybody to sit down. You know, sitting in the Bible is also an indication that the work is finished. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross, Mark chapter 16, verse 19. It says, then when he had spoken to them, he had taken him, he was taken up to heaven and then Jesus sat down. Why did he sit down at the right hand of the father? Listen, he sat down at the right hand of the father because everything that needed to be done was done because it was finished. So Jesus sat down. So if it is finished, that means there's nothing more to you, for you to add to the finished work of Christ, but receive it, watch, and rest in it. Right? Pastor Phil, you know, I just feel like I got, you know, I messed up. I have failures. I have, and I need to pay for my sin. Why are you going to pay for something that Jesus already paid for? It makes no sense. You would never, ever do that. You would never at the grocery store, whether you shop at Aldi or Winco or wherever you do, right? And just pay for something that somebody's already paid for just because well, I need to pay for it. And that's what a lot of people did. They, that's what a lot of people think. But the truth is, is that Jesus already paid a great price. You are bought with such a price. And the Bible says that when he ascended to heaven, he sat down because it is finished. So we don't need to add to that. Actually, we can rest in that. Are you glad you came to church today? I don't know if you're going to like what I'm about to say. That's why I'm just giving it. The Bible calls it a sila moment. Just ponder. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Everybody look at me. Guess what? If Jesus can sit down, so can you. Because you ain't more busier than Jesus. Now, some of you are. Some of you are more busy. And that's why you're like, yeah. Is there one place in the Bible where you see in Jesus' earthly ministry that he's running? And he ran over there. And Jesus ran over there. He had a timeline three and a half years. Jesus was never in a hurry. The Bible never says that, you know, Jesus picked up his robe and he was like, you know, he was running in his bare feet because he's got to get over to Jairus's house because the daughter's dying. And I got, the Bible says, no, he operated in rest. He operated in rest. And I just want to encourage you today. If Jesus can sit down, so can you. And I can have rest. I can have rest because he finished the work. 
So it's not my own work. It's not my finished work. It's his finished work. And then watch this. Let's go one step deeper. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, after you've trusted, after you've heard the word of truth and the gospel of salvation, guess what? Not only can you rest in what Jesus did, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit actually seals you. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, what do you think about once saved, always saved, and all that? Can I ask you, why are you even thinking about that? You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So start putting your faith in the seal of the Holy Spirit. Not that you messed up yesterday, but I'll tell you what, when the Holy Spirit seals you, man, that's a good thing. That's not going to come undone. Why do we always talk about how close we want to get to the, well, you know, what if I do this? Am I still going? Listen, you are sealed. Come on, say that with me. Say, I am sealed. So I can rest in the fact of his finished work, but I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I just read that to you. But when I read this, I got a little more happier than you guys got. Like I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. All my mistakes are forgiven. Jesus came inside my heart and then the Holy Spirit seals me. Man, that's great. So I think as we talk about rest, there's so many promises in the Bible There's so many promises that God has given us, but he's actually given us the gift of rest because he knew in life there would be stress. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's a popular scripture, but I love it. In the message translation, it says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Watch this. Are you bummed out on religion? That's works. Trying to earn your way to salvation. Look, listen to what Jesus says. He says, come to me. Get away with me. I'll recover your life. I'll show you what, how to have a real rest. Not just going and sitting in Hawaii on the beach going, no, not that. Something on the inside. Real rest. Watch. Walk with me. Work with me. Notice this. Did he say work with me, then walk with me? What did he say first? Walk with me, then you work with me. You know how Noah built that amazing ark? Man built a Titanic. Noah built the ark. First boat. Noah didn't even know what rain was. You know what the Bible says about Noah? He walked with God. And when he walked with God, God is like, I'm going to give you this amazing idea that's going to save your family and save the world. God is expecting us to walk with him before we work with him. But let me just say this. Notice, and a lot of times in the Bible, it doesn't use we're working for him. It says we're working with him. He's working with us and you're working with him. It's not only that Jesus is in me, the Bible says, but the Bible says I'm in him. Man, that's powerful. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this, the way the the message, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Not full of stress, but freely and lightly. And so if we're gonna receive this gift of rest, here's number one. Real rest today starts with acceptance. What does that mean? Jesus actually says, if you're worn out, you're tired, come to me. People who are worn out, tired, and he doesn't preface anything because oftentimes 
This could be people who have the wrong priorities. These are people who could have been making the wrong decisions, but Jesus said, it doesn't matter. Come to me. I accept you. Come. Just come to me. I was thinking about when I was talking about Martha and her frazzledness and all these things. I was telling a friend yesterday, I said, it's interesting to me because Martha, she's frazzled, she's stressed. She's not even being attacked by the devil. She just has the wrong priorities. Sometimes we blame stuff on the devil that is actually our wrong decisions. Come on, can we, can we, can we say a good amen to that? And she's frazzled. She could have rebuked. Listen, you can rebuke the devil all you want, but if you still have the wrong priorities, you're still going to be stressed because the only antidote for stress is God's rest. Can I hear a good amen today? So wherever you are, maybe you're like, yeah, man, I, I, man, I, need, I know I need to rest. I talked to people this week. I know I need to rest, but there can be a guilt associated with, man, I just haven't done this right. That's okay. Come to him. Still come. There's accept. This is how it starts. He says, come to me if you're tired, you're burnt out, right? And he says, I will give you rest. Watch. This word rest means in the Greek language, cease from laboring. Watch. Calm. Refresh. Recover. But here's what we have to do. The Bible talks about we have to enter into that rest. That's understanding no matter what you've done today that God, Jesus stood here and he stands here and he says, come to me. You know, um, I I honestly didn't plan on talking about her today, but it just seems to be like the Holy Spirit is, is highlighting this woman again. But the woman with the issue of blood was totally unclean according to the ceremonial law. She should have not been in the crowd. And under ceremonial law, whoever she touched became unclean. So she was unclean, and whoever she touched became unclean. She should have not been there, but she made her way through the crowd, and she touched Jesus. One, one, one translation says a fist, like a small string on his, on his robe, and she was instantly incredibly healed. And it's amazing because the unclean touched Jesus who was clean and the unclean became clean. If she touched somebody, they became unclean. But when she touched Jesus, come on, she became clean. But, but let me just say this, Jesus is touchable because he could have in his finite mind said, nah, uh-uh. Jesus was touching the untouchable. Jesus would touch lepers people who nobody wanted. And I just want to tell you that he is saying to you, if you're going to have real rest, you're going to find it in him. So you have to come to him. My church family, Jesus is our rest. This is what Mary does. She sits right at his feet. Why? She knows that she's accepted. Here, here I am, Jesus. Martha's like, man, I got to clean that food that's off. I look at the fork. The fork, there's still some food. I put it in the dishwasher. There's still, everything's got to be clean. Here, here's Jesus. And so she's working it. Mary's resting in it. Mary's resting in it. I've made a decision. You got to make a decision. You're going to enter into his rest. And after we come to him because we've been accepted, here's number two. What Jesus wants to do is to bring an alignment into our life. I was talking to this with Denzel, Angie's husband. This is what priorities does. It brings your life back into alignment. Putting the first things first, second things second. Not that second things aren't important, they're just not first. So you bring it back into alignment, right? 
So here's what he says. Come away with me. He says, walk with me and you'll recover your life. He says, I will show you real rest. And then he says, learn from me. So in other words, what I want to do is I want to take your life. I'm going to accept you, but I want to bring your life into the right priorities and alignment. One translation says this, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Well, what is the yoke? A yoke was put on a cow for farmers and it was used to pull the necessary machinery to till the ground. So a yoke, it was like this piece of wood that went over the back of a cow. But what they would do is they would bring in a young cow who was, man, he wants to get stuff done. Man, he wants to move real fast. And sometimes he didn't listen and he'd try to pull his way. So what they would do is they would yoke the younger oxen with the older oxen to say, hey, listen, buddy, just learn the unforced rhythm of grace, right? You're going to make it, but you don't have to make it in the next 10 minutes, right? You have a lifetime and you're going to run the race with endurance, right? And so they would yoke a younger with an older to realize, but Jesus was saying this, take my yoke upon me. What is Jesus's yoke? Is Jesus's yoke the law? Is Jesus's yoke, you work at it, you earn your salvation? No, Jesus was saying, you're gonna have to take off the yoke of the law and you're gonna have to put on my yoke, which is grace. And my yoke is grace, it's easy. Why? Because it's all about me, it's not about you. It's about you just receiving rest from me and then your life will flourish. Can I hear a good amen? today. And Jesus said, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Can I ask you a question? Are you willing to learn from him today? Are we willing to look inside the scripture and come into alignment? Are you willing to allow God to show you how to rest? Nobody? Should we close the service then today? We're all done. I, I, to be honest, today isn't even fair because I'm working and you're resting. You're sitting down, so I'm waiting to go home. I'm kidding. Let me ask you again. Are you willing to learn from him how to do it? Because the way we do it isn't working. Let me ask you again. So are we willing to learn from him? All right. Good. You're a little slow, but I just want to remind you, there is coffee in the lobby when you come in. I just want to show us today how important rest is to God. It's so important. Do you know that during creation, the Bible says, this is the beginning in Genesis, it says that God worked six days and then he rested. Why did he rest? He had back pain. Man, that world, like holding up the world. Oh. Why did he rest? He rests because he was finished. So he sat down. He rested, right? But look at this. This is before the law. And this is what the Bible, when I read this, I, 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 this is what's so cool about the Bible is you read it and it reads you. And it's like, it's alive, the Bible says. One time I was preaching at a youth conference and I said that, right? And they didn't know. But when I said that, just spontaneously, the, a page went like this. Who is alive? Turns out the air conditioner just like blew the page over at the right. Come on. It was the breath of the air conditioner. And all the kids were like, he's alive. It is alive. It's powerful. But here's the reality. When I read this, I've read it tons of times. 
but I guess because of the emphasis was rest. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, watch this. It says, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Which was, was the seventh day? It was the day that he rested. The first mention of holiness in the Bible, listen, is about rest. So he says this. He says, because it was the day when he rested from all his work. The word holiness, I think that sometimes we have this weird definition of holiness. Holiness just means to be set apart. You're holy. God's holiness. You can't be holy by yourself. But when you receive Jesus, he brings all of his holiness and he sets his, your life apart. So watch this. I'm going to give you the secret sauce of the message before I finish. He sets your life apart so you're going to do things different. What does that mean? You rest and you actually have better results than the people who are stressed out because you're set apart. Can I hear a good amen? It's possible for you actually to work less and have uncommon results because you're set apart, because you're holy. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. And so what he did was he said that he set it apart and then he blessed it. And then you look at the law, the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it's not on the screen. It says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. There's that word, set apart. Watch, six days you'll labor, right? And you'll do all your work. But on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, you'll give that to the Lord. This is interesting, okay? So if you know the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. All of the do nots, right? He put resting next to do not murder, he put resting next to do not steal because God prioritized your rest. You know why? Because he made you and you need it. You need a day off. You need one day that's just that you do what you enjoy. One day that it's just about you and the Lord. You eat some food. Come on, somebody. You enjoy the day. That it's not a day of work, but it's a day of rest. And I don't want to get real legalistic on this today, but I'm just telling you the priority that God has. He's serious about your rest. Now, here's the thing about the law, and we'll probably talk about this because I love talking about this. You and I are living on the other side of the cross. Jesus said it is finished. We are not living in the old covenant. You and I are living in the new covenant. And there's a lot of things that were under the law, right, that um, they're still good. Good practices. How many of you know it's still good practices not to commit adultery? Go home today. Tell your spouse, I committed adultery. See what happens. And then tell them this, I am under grace. See what happens. You're probably still going to get divorced under grace. But true grace, the Bible says, Paul wrote, he said, sin will not have dominion over you because you are not under law. You are under grace. So when you are under an empowering grace, you are not sinning. Because why? There's a great, it doesn't mean that you don't mess up. It doesn't mean, but I've learned that when I live under, man, the river of grace, I'm not even focused on my mistakes anymore. And some of the things that I had to go through, man, they're not even an issue anymore. My church family. And it wasn't because I tried and focused and the priority being on changing the habits. It was allowing grace to change my heart. To change my heart. 
So let me ask you this, because this is what we know about the, the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. So you and I are not under the law. But let me say this, although we're not under the law and the old covenant laws, especially the Ten Commandments, how many of you know those laws still reflect God's values, his character, his wisdom for living, right? But just because we're not under the law, right? Here's the reality. Can, I, can we say that because we're not under the law, it's okay to murder somebody? No, absolutely not. Has God changed his attitude about stealing and murder? No, but what the law was, and here's what the law was, it was simply to point you to the fact that your works were not good enough because it would have to be in Jesus's work on the cross that would save you. So yes, by all means, if you murder someone, it breaks God's heart, but the Bible says you're not saved by your works, you are saved by grace through faith. Can I hear a good amen today? So there's all of these big debates about when it comes to the Ten Commandments and then this word Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath, right? What, what is that? So in the New Testament, the writer of, of Hebrews, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, Pastor Phil, do you think that God drinks coffee? I was like, yes, he brews. Come on, Mark. He brews. Hebrew 4.9 says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters the rest also rests from their works. So in the, Old in the Old Testament, what was a Sabbath? They would work six days. They would rest one, right? And so in the Jewish, for the Jewish people, that rest came on a Saturday. They would work six days. Now, here it is. Look, God's not saying never to work. He was work six days. Get all done in six days. And then on the seventh day, watch, you rest that God is going to take care of the rest. So you can rest that God is going to take care of the rest. But watch, here's what happened in the new covenant. The Bible says that when Jesus rose again, he rose again on the first day of the week. So the Jews, according to the law, they would Sabbath on the Saturday, right? And watch this, they would work. And it was almost like this. It's almost you work the six days. And if you work real hard, you do it, you earn a day of rest. But here's what happened. When Jesus rose from the dead, Mark 16, verse eight, it says he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. What does that mean? So now, according to this, Saturday's not the Sabbath. They would say Sunday was the Sabbath. And here's, here's the principle that I'm trying to teach you. So we don't earn our rest. We don't work six days and rest. According to the New Testament, rest is a gift. Watch this. Now we work from a place of rest. Because now the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Jesus rose again. That's rest. So now the rest of my week, I don't have to walk into Monday and go, man, Monday sucks. I hate Monday. It's Monday. Actually, Sunday, you rested, and now I'm going to work from a place of rest. So I'm not trying to get legalistic, but I am telling you, you need a Sabbath day. For you, it may not be able to be Sunday. For us and our family, I'm working on Sunday. But I take a Saturday. And man, we have fun. And we rest. Pastor Phil, why are you preaching so good? Because I rested yesterday. <laughs> Do you know what I ate yesterday? I'm not even going to tell you. I ate a burger and pizza. Oh, man. That's not right. It's not right. Where do we go for the burger? What was it called? 
Shake Shack. Oh, thank God they don't have one here in Marietta. And then we went to another place and ate pizza because my family's in town. That's wrong, people. Oh, but it was good. And we rested. Everybody look at me because you're going to get real mad. And on some of those days, we don't do anything. We rest. You know why? Because God's serious about your rest. And it may not be Sunday. It may not be Saturday. But I'm telling you today, you need a day off. You need a day when you can rest. So the apostles... When you read in, in John, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. When you look at that, that's a Sabbath. So he was referring to Sunday. In my church family, I really believe that there's a longevity of our lives if we'll rest one day. John called it the Lord's day. You know, my mom and her husband are here from, from Texas. I'm so thankful that they're here. Would you guys stand up for just a minute? Will you give them a, a round of applause? There was something that she ingrained in us as a little kid. Sunday is the Lord's day. It's just the Lord's day. Now, obviously we work on the Lord's day, but I look at my mom, I ain't gonna even tell you how old she is, but she's older than 60. But you look at her, she looks like she's 50, 49, because she spent her Sundays on the Lord's day in his presence resting. She's got more energy than I do, people. There was something in us that she put that there's one day it's for the Lord. Yeah, we can say, well, every day it's for the Lord. Yeah, it is. But there's one day where you worship and you reflect. You give everything to him. You allow him to work in you. And if you allow him to work in you, you will work better. Right? And so the six days will come out of a day of rest. My church family, listen, I hope you hear my heart on this. This isn't a legalistic thing. It's actually a gift to you. This is why the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. In other words, this was made for you, that you take a day, you prioritize a day, and you take a day off. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? My son loves Chick-fil-A. I don't know what they do to that food. I don't know if they put crack cocaine in there. I, I do not understand. And they're a Christian company. The other day we went there because, you know, that's the kind of a treat for running errands or whatever. We'll go to Chick-fil-A. He's like, Dad, I'll go. He's 12 years old. So we were there the other day and we ordered some stuff. And the guy says, have a blessed day. I was like, I'm going to have a blessed day. As soon as I get that waffle fry in my mouth, I'll have a blessed day. But they're closed on Sundays. They took what I'm telling you and they made it and put it in their business model. I thought, okay, that's pretty, that's, that's cool. Honor the Lord. It's, it's biblical. They're so biblical. But then I thought, what are their results? So I looked it up. This is going to blow you away. Do you know that according to entrepreneur.com, Chick-fil-A, listen to this, makes more money. They make more per restaurant than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. And they're closed on Sundays. What is that? Uncommon results. Why? Because they honor God. You wonder why they're all like, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. You know why they're saying that? Because they rested. 
And they're not, what do you want? Like when I go to Wendy, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. What would you like? What would you like? I went someplace, I won't mention their name, but I pulled up like, what would you like? I was like, how are you today? Yeah, I'm that annoying customer. But I'm like, come on, I'm about to pay you. And then I'm going to drive up, you're going to have that tip jar, and you're like, what do you want? Come on. But they've taken what I'm telling you, and they put it into practice, not as a legal thing, but as a God-honoring thing. And what are they having? Uncommon results. But we think we can work every day, take advantage of every opportunity, and then we wonder why. We have sickness in our body. We have headaches. Come on, somebody. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. Not every opportunity is a priority. And here's where I'm at today. I'm at today, I have a lot of good opportunities. It's not like just right and wrong stuff. You have good opportunities, but which one is the priority? What is God saying to you? And you know what? Oftentimes, he'll reveal that to you when you take a step back and you rest. Come on, everybody say rest. You're like, I love this message. I'm asleep, Pastor Phil. No, no, not that kind of rest right now. But that's the, those results from Chick-fil-A. Listen, what is that? Unforced rhythms of grace. I like that, unforced. I was listening to a preacher. I don't listen to a lot of preachers because sometimes I just don't agree with them, the things that they're saying. Like about, I was listening to somebody I like, and he says, you know, praise God, if the door doesn't open, I'm going to kick down the door. I was like, but what if God doesn't want that door? You're going to hurt your leg. And you're like, God, why won't you heal me? He's like, stop kicking the door down. I closed it. My church family, I don't want to walk through any door that God is closing. He's closing it for a reason. I want to walk through doors that he is opening. Watch this. I get a little excited because when God opens the door, people can't shut it. And let me just say, if God's closing it, listen, if God's closing it, you can't open it. But we're like, it looks good. I know. But we have to stop settling for good because God knows what's best. Come on, somebody. So if he's closing this door, he's going to open another door. But just rest. He gifted you. He created you. He knows what excites you. He knows what motivates you more than you even know. And he will open the door at the proper time. You don't have to be kicking doors down. Just live in the unforced rhythms of grace. And grace has a rhythm. You'll get there. And I love this because he says, I'll restore your life. And you know what went off in my mind? 2019, 2020, 2021. God will restore every opportunity. Everything that was lost, he will bring back. Come on, can we give him a good round of applause today? So rest starts with acceptance. We come to him. Then God wants you to learn before you live. Are you going to line up with him, work with him, walk with him, then work with him? He'll show you that. And then here's number three. Then he gives us our assignment. Matthew chapter 11, again, in the, the message, verse 28, he says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live. So it's not just living, it's learning to live freely and lightly. Why? Because God's got you covered. God's got you covered. So here's where I spend my time oftentimes in rest is I want to see what God sees for me. That's sometimes where we miss it. He's told the children of Israel, the prophet Isaiah, he says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? In other words, I'm doing something new, but you could miss it if you don't see it. 
And some of us, man, I'm just kind of bored with my life with God. God's doing new things. You're just not seeing it. Can I hear a good amen today? So then he gives us our assignment. What is our assignment? Our assignment is to live the abundant life, the Zoe life that he came to give us. But my church family, we're going to have to rest in him. Here's the last one for today as we close. But see, the gift of rest, number four, it has to be received by faith. It has to be received by faith. That's how you access everything that God has. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says this. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest, the Amplified says, the promise. Now this is talking about the children of Israel. God says we have a promised land for you. And he, he told them that so they would rest in it. But then they saw the giants and they became unsettled. But he said, because you didn't enter into my rest, that's what he's talking about. But it applies to this today. Listen, it says, watch. So why didn't they enter into his rest? It says it. What is it? The answer. It's an open book test. Because of why? Because of their unbelief. And then it says here, because of their unbelief and unwillingness to trust God. So you could say this about rest. Resting is trusting in God. Why are you stressed? Any area that you are stressed in, you are not resting in. Any area that you are not resting in, you are not trusting in. Took me 20 hours of study to get to that little sentence. So if you will rest in him, it's God's gift against stress. But the real stress comes from we don't trust what he says. So here's the question. If you're not trusting him, who are you trusting? The government? My church family, I don't talk about this a lot, but America is trillions of dollars in debt. You're going to put your trust there? It's funny how we put our trust in government and yet our God walks on streets of gold. There's no debt in heaven. Everything is fully paid for. There's going to be cities of gold. And we're like, I'll put my trust in the government. So if you don't put your trust in the government, I just have one more question. Then who do you put your trust in? Guess who? You put your trust in you. That's why you're stressed. And if you do that, listen, not only does it affect your health, but you may never step into the reason why you were on this planet to have supernatural results, uncommon results, having dreams come true because the, the, the thing that you limit the most is you're only limited to what you can do. But if we will trust in him, we will rest in him. So it doesn't matter what symptoms are coming against your body. I'm going to trust him even I know this sounds weird to people. I'm going to trust him even above what I feel, but I'm trusting him. I asked somebody this last week, I said, do you feel dizzy? And they said, why? I said, well, according to scientists right now, the world is spinning, like spinning. Do you feel it? I don't feel it. But it's not always about what we feel. It's about what we believe. And we enter into his rest by having faith that God is taking care of us. Can I hear a good amen today? 
How many of you today say, Phil, I receive God's gift of rest? Come on, somebody. Give him a great round of applause today. You need a day off. And he gives us rest for our stress. So you need a day off and you go eat some Chick-fil-A on Monday. Come on. I want you to bow your head for just a moment. I know today we had fun. I, I try to make this fun because we need to laugh too a little bit sometimes. But I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to minimize situations or diagnosis. or I'm not trying to minimize anything. But I want us... And I want you to know that today I know some of you are really facing some things. And your priority, the power of priority, is if you'll rest in God, he will make things happen for you that you cannot make happen for yourself. You just can't. You within yourself just can't beat cancer, can't beat migraines. But you know what? When you rest and trust in him and have faith, All things are possible to him who believes. It's not just all things are possible, some new age. It's all things are possible to him who believes. And what's not possible with man is possible with God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for the gift of rest. Lord, some of the things in our life we have given to you, we've cast our cares, but then we just take them back. And so today, Lord, you said in your word to cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. And so today, Lord, we receive your gift of rest. We receive it. Everybody just head bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. Just let God minister minister to you today. And as you're doing that, I want to say a prayer for those of you who don't know Jesus today. You're you're thinking that you can earn salvation through your works, but a real rest is ceasing from your labors and your works and having faith in the grace and receiving the grace. So everybody's head bowed, never act close. If you're here today, maybe you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. If you're here today and you never invited Jesus into your heart, today's the day. How do I do it, Pastor Phil? You just have faith that Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. Everyone. All of them, no matter how many times you did it, what he did is greater than what you did. And today I want to say a prayer. If that's you and you say, Phil, I need Jesus to come inside my heart. I need to repent of my sin. I need to be a new creature. I want you to say this with me. My friends, can we all say this prayer so those who are saying it for the first time don't feel like they're alone today? Look, come on, let's say it. Say it with faith. Say, Father God. Come on, if you're watching online, say it. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. Today I repent. I turn from my wicked ways. Jesus, come inside my heart and I confess you as my Lord. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am sealed today in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a great round of applause today. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.